Hi, Pastor Mike Fabara is here. In August 2024, you're invited to join me on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. Delve into God's Word while taking in the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. Here's the deal. There are people that have yet to repent and put their trust in Christ and follow Him. And we are on the front lines of making that happen. Right? And that's why we got to stay where we're at and we need to keep on going with what we're doing and we need to not be afraid. We need to focus on faithfulness to our task, not our fear. And we need to know this as we're doing his work, he's with us in a way that he's saying, I got my arm on your back and I'm pushing you into this battle. If you're a faithful ambassador for Christ, you will face opposition, just like Paul and so many other men and women who have passed on their faith from one generation to the next. And today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares encourages you to keep pushing past your fears and complete the ministry God has given to you. I'm your host, Dave Drewy. Pastor Mike shared this message at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention earlier this year. And he's starting in Acts 18, verse 9, with a message called, Keep Going. Turn, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 18. And I want to remind you that the Apostle Paul, who's about to be encouraged by Christ himself, that's why it's in red letters here, if you drop down to this passage, in verse 9. So Acts chapter 18, verse 9, um, Paul's about to get a boost in his ministry, but remember what kind of ministry he had. He had a ministry where he was a traveling missionary, and when the pressure ramped up, he followed what Christ had said to the apostles, like, if they reject you, wipe the dust off your feet, kick it off, and, and move on. And, and that's what he did. When, when, when the heat was turned up, he went from place to place. Well, the heat was turned up here in Corinth. Things were not going well in terms of the reception of the gospel. He got as far as, as he normally would, and the threshold was hit, and the red line was hit. He was like, okay, it would be time to go. Uh, but here, he's told, don't go. And, and I want to show you this very simple statement, three lines from Christ, and maybe it'll encourage you this morning as we think about the deteriorating anti-Christian culture that continues to ramp up in our context of most of our ministries. Acts 18.9, the, the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Here, now, here's two reasons why, like the four comments. Right? For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For, here's the second reason, I have many in this city who are my people. And so Paul obediently responds. Right? Verse 11, and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And as a traveling itinerant missionary, I mean, that, that, that was a pretty healthy response to that. I'm going to stay. Okay, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay a year and six months, and then he's going to move on. Then we get this whole scene about what happens next in verse 12. But when, when Jesus says in, in Luke 6, the reality of your life as you follow me, if you associate with me, they're going to, they're going to hate you, right? They're going to exclude you, they're going to revile you, and they're going to spurn your name as evil. That is, is what's happening in Corinth for the Apostle Paul. And uh, the natural response to that is, I don't like it. And if I don't like it, it's like when you go to the doctor, it hurts when I do this. Well, then we'll don't do that. Uh, that's 
That's our natural response. I, I don't want people to hate me. I don't want people to exclude me. I don't want people to revile me. I don't want people to spurn my name as evil. Uh, and so I want to do, I want to mitigate, I want to mollify, I want to I step back from whatever is causing that. That's the natural response. That's our proclivity. But here's what we need to do as Christians, the exact opposite. We need a counterintuitive response when the heat gets turned up and people say, I hate you more than I used to, right? Because they hate us more now in this generation than they did in the 90s. They exclude us more, they revile us more, and they spurn our name as evil more. As a matter of fact, what we need is a counterintuitive response because here's what Jesus says next. You know your Bibles. He said, in that day that that, that all happens to you, rejoice. Here's one. Leap for joy. I, when was the last time you did that? Leap for joy. Because right? you know, great is a reward. That's a good thing. I'm thinking it's a bad thing. And by the way, just so you know, Paul thought in Corinth that was a bad thing. Because he says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, I came to you much trembling. I didn't feel good about all this. I had all this opposition. And yet here is Christ giving him what he needed to continue on with a sense of security and purpose. And his significance in Corinth, he continues because of these words. Uh, Don't be afraid and, and go on speaking and do not be silent. Just look at the juxtaposition of that. Stop with your fear, even though he said, I am afraid here. I'm trembling when I came into Corinth. And the opposition ramped up, right? The, the, the hostile Jews in that town were against what Paul was saying. I mean, and, and they were doing it thinking they were right. You were saying God now incarnate come among us and redeemed us himself. His strong arm came out and they were like, we, we can't handle that. Some guy from, from, from Galilee. And um, in that opposition, God says, don't be afraid, keep on speaking. Um, if, if I were your football coach, we we're in college, and um, I said, okay, we're going to go out onto this field. It's not the home team advantage. We're in, you know, hostile collegiate territory. Uh, so before we go through the tunnel onto the gridiron, I just want to say a few things to you. Um, they're going to boo you out there. They're going to hold up signs that say they don't like you. I mean, everyone in the stands going to have a different jersey on than you. Um, don't fumble because they're going to make fun of you could end up as a highlight on ESPN. Don't be careful what you do because it could really go bad out there. You would fire me as the head coach, right? Here's the reality. The focus is what God is doing, and that's what we need to focus on. And I know we have to come to NRB and things like this, and we hear the stats, and it's getting rough, and the temperature's getting turned up, and more people hate us, and there's more lawsuits, and all of that. Doors are closing, and and we're kicked off of platforms. And I just want to say, here's what God would have you know. Stop focusing on the fear, that's the natural proclivity, and focus on the faithfulness. you got a job to do. We have a job to do, right? We're national religious broadcasters. I like to say the subtitle of that, right? We're Christian communicators, right? Keep on communicating. Don't stop. And I have to focus on that, even though Paul could say, I could focus on the trembling, and I'm scared, and I don't like this, and you don't like it. If you're a normal person, you don't like being hated or spurned or excluded. I like to be included. I like to be liked. I like people to applaud. That's a good thing. But he says, keep on going, and you're going you're gonna to fix this by focusing on your faithfulness and your task. I'm a football coach. I'm going to go out there. We're going to move the ball down, down the field. You have to focus on what the mission is. And for a time like this, we're all communicating. In one way or another, we're trying to get the communication of God's word out. Double down on that and say, that's what I'm going to focus on every day. Um, we get hate letters, right? And, and um, 
just like anybody. I had people um, recently, and it's even on my desktop, uh, cuss me out and say that they want to kill me. This is, this is not unusual in our day. All you have to do is to preach one message on something about God created the male and female and say it from a platform, and they hate you. They spurn your name as evil. Uh, and, and my point is, I can focus on that, and naturally I would like to say, I, I, I don't like that. You know, I'll play it for my friends so they can feel bad for me, how people hate me. Um, or I can focus on the task. You need to make the conscious decision the next time you get excluded, the next time you get hated, the next time someone spurns your name as evil, you need to say, okay, God has been very clear in his word to Paul, and certainly this is a transferable concept to us. You've got to focus on the faithfulness of your calling, not the fear in your, in your body. I and mean, we have to at some point just say, I, I, that's not the focus. You've got to transfer the focus of your heart to what God has called you to do. And I hope all of you have that clear in your mind. You're doing this because you know God has called you to it. We have a mission, and the cost is not what we want to focus on. Now, I didn't read the whole passage, but I probably should, because in verse 12, Gallio, the son of Seneca, was now the proconsul of this area. So, of course, Rome had its hand on, on Corinth. And um, look at the next verse, verse 12 here. It says, and the Jews, when Gallio was a proconsul of Achaia, that's modern-day Greece, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. Now look at even that adjective, united attack on Paul. Like the, the, all the Jews, and there's a large Jewish population in Corinth in the first century, they made a united attack on Paul. Do you see the word there after the word united? What's the word? Attack. Okay, go back up to verse 10. When he says, don't be afraid, go on speaking, here's what he said, for I am with you and no one will attack you or harm you. Verse 12 the Jews made a united attack on Paul. Are you tracking? Do you have a problem with that? I have a problem with that, right? Some, something's wrong here. You're lying to me. Jesus is lying to me. If I'm Paul, I'm thinking, wait a minute. Everyone is attacking me. And, and if you keep reading, right, think about that. They, they're, they've got a charge against them. So he's going to, to court. Verse 13, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. So he's about to, you know, he's got his defense. It's about to come out of his mouth. And, and before this is done, verse 17, there's this guy named Sosthenes who's in charge of the, of the Jewish synagogue there, and he's getting beat because they couldn't successfully bring a charge against Paul that would stick. But this is an embroiled legal battle. And if I heard from Christ, hey, keep on doing what you're doing. Go back to Southern California. Keep doing it. You're not going to be attacked. And then I get attacked legally in court. And I watch people get beat up. That's um, it's not a fulfillment of that text. The second thing I want to tell you is you not only need to focus on your faithfulness, not your fear, you need to, number two, you need to get this. Uh, you have to redefine uh, safety and security. You just got to redefine that. And, and let me give you a mind-blowing passage. In the last extant letter we have from the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy, the last chapter of the last extant letter we have, uh, Paul talks about the fact that he's going to die. Right? I know my time is over. The time of my departure has come. Smile at me if you remember that passage, right? Um, that's not a smiley passage, but that, that's, a, that's, that's rough. And he knows, and, and they, he knows how the Romans execute. His head is going to be lopped off by a sharpened iron tool, and his face is going to fall into a bucket or on the ground. He's going to be decapitated. And he says, I know it. And, and then he says this, and the Lord will bring me safely into his kingdom. I'm thinking he's, re he's redefining safety differently than I am, Right? I don't feel safe when I get decapitated. And yet he goes, safely. I'll get there safely. Or how about this when, um, 
when he was holding the cloaks and watching Stephen get, get stoned to death, they're throwing like baseball-sized rocks at people. And it takes a long time to die getting stoned to death. It's horrific to watch. And of course, you do what you would do, they do what you would do, and put their arms up, and their arms start breaking, and they finally get hit in the head enough times, and they, it takes a while for them to lose consciousness, and it is a horrific thing to watch. And we are pretty insular in our culture. We don't, you know, we don't like to watch that. Stuff gets banned online. But if you were to watch someone get stoned, you would not read a passage like Stephen getting stoned and think the same way anymore. You would go, that was horrific. Luke, the historian, describes that, and he says this. When he was dying, do you remember the passage? He had a face like an angel. It's not what I'm picturing. That's a strange thing to say. And, of course, you know he does what Jesus does in kind of commending his spirit to the Lord. And, but he, to say that, this is not his wife talking. This is Luke. He had a face like an angel. Whatever his visage was, his face, he died with a sense of security, you think about a grace that God endows people when they're facing that kind of, of, of persecution, and you say they have, they're hanging on to a definition of safety and security that we don't have. And, and so if you leave and get discouraged because you're served with a lawsuit or you're banned off of this platform or someone writes you a nasty letter or it's on the letterhead of an attorney, you just you feel like, oh, this, I'm being attacked. And the fear right, leads you back to what the old comedic doctor says, well, don't, we need to do something differently. We need to preach differently. And we need to stay away from things like he created the male and female, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I mean, it's going to make, us, make the divorce people mad and going to make the culture mad and turn me into gender issues. It's like we are doing these things and Jesus says you ought to rejoice, you ought to leap for joy. And that's going to take a sense of security that I know that, um, and let's look at the first part of verse 10, I am with you. Guess how many times that phrase shows up? Do not be afraid, for I am with you. How many times does God say that to someone in the Bible? 33 times. It's like the, it's like the, asp it's the, it's the ibuprofen, right? For, for the pained servants of the Lord. Hey, don't be afraid. It, st it starts with Abraham. Don't be afraid. You're facing the, I am with you. Gideon, right? Why are you choosing me to fight the Midianites? Don't be afraid. I am with you. Moses, I can't speak. Oh, don't be afraid. I am with you. Think about Peter, right? I'm with you. Don't, don't be afraid. Satan wants to sift you like me. That's okay. I prayed for you. But he says this repeatedly. Jeremiah, I'm so young. Jeremiah chapter one. I, I, I can't, I, I'm just a youth. I can't speak to them. I am with you. I am with you. That is the solution to the fear. If you know your Bible, I think of uh, Hebrews 13. Don't be afraid what man can do. God is with you. He's your helper. That's hard to do because I can't see him, I can't touch him, and, and really I can only subjectively feel him. And yet he says, this is the solution to your fear, right? I'm with you. And if you want security, you're going to have to have a sense that the externals of what your body feels or your, even your emotions feel, you should be at peace because you know I'm with you. You know, the, when he gives us the commission to do what we're doing, and I hope you all align your thinking with the Great Commission, right? we're here trying to make disciples of all the nations. We, we want to baptize them, maybe the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We want to teach them to observe all that Christ commanded. And all of us in this room, I, I hope that's we've given our careers and our lives to that. Um, but you know how that ends. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the book of Acts. Remember that passage? Is that how that goes? Lo, I am with you always, right? 
I love passages where you can find yourself in them, even to the end of the age. Paul didn't make it to the end of the age, right? I mean, Chris Austin didn't make it to the end of the age. Luther didn't make it to the end of the age. Spurgeon didn't make it to the end of the age. Charles didn't make it to the end of the age. Guess who's still around to the end of the age? I'm looking at living people here. You and I are. It's great to see that God has made the promise. If you're committed to the Great Commission, go make disciples, teach them to obey me. I am with you to the end of the age. Lawsuits, opposition, stacks of hate mail, people defunding you, donors that don't want to give to you anymore because you're meddling in stuff that is not politically correct. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. So the Lord said, don't be afraid. Keep doing your thing. Speak. Don't be silent. I'm with you, and no one's going to attack you to harm you. Well, you will be attacked, but you better redefine what that means. Peace and security should be redefined. And you should recognize that God's promise, I mean, you, I mean, I don't care what hermeneutics class you took. When you read the Great Commission, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. That's you, and that's me. And so that should steal and bolster your internal life. But the thing that I think so easily amps us up, because we do get other letters besides hate mail, is... is the bottom of verse 10. Here's the third reason. Right? I want to focus on my mission. I want to be faithful in my mission, not the fear. I want to remember Christ ultimately is going to bring me safely into his kingdom. When my head rolls off or I die on a, on a gurney, I'm, I'm going to get where God promised he was going to take me, to his kingdom. But here he says, I have many in this city who are my people. Many in this city who are my people. I mean, you don't have to be a Calvinist to, to understand there's something exciting about that phrase, right? I have many in this city in Corinth. So he's going to stay another year and six months. Why? Because there are many in the city who were his people. Now, they're not assembled visibly his people yet. They're not sitting there listening to the preaching of, of the Apostle Paul. Not yet, but they're in the city, and they need to be teased out of the city, and they need to be a part of the ecclesia. They're, they're part of the called out people, and they're going to be a part of the people of God. They're already, in God's mind, a part of the people of God, but they're not yet repentant and baptized and being taught to obey. But that's your job, and we haven't reached them yet. That's why, by the way, we're not at the end of the age yet. The buzzer is going to go off, you know, Second Peter chapter 3, when the bus is filled up and everyone is on the bus. I mean, there's a name that's going to be the last name to get redeemed in this age, and then we're going to go. He, he's, he's, he's not slow in keeping his promises as some count slowness, right? He's patient, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance, and all that he has ordained will come to repentance, and it's our job to be there and make that happen. As a matter of fact, do you remember Paul, as long as we're talking about the book of Acts, he's in Athens, and he stands up with all the professorial types in Athens, and he says, Please remember this, that God has overlooked these times of ignorance, and now he calls all people everywhere to repent. Think about that. He has called all people everywhere to repent. You can't stack more superlatives on to think, okay, all people everywhere. Everyone you passed in the airport, everyone you see at lunch, everyone you drive past, right, in your, your goings and comings every week, everyone, he has called everyone everywhere to repent. And how does he do that? He does it because, you, you know, he spells out uh, repent by the seagulls when they fly over. No, because if you listen closely to a waterfall, you can hear the, the Morris code of, of repent. No. Seashells, or they spell out Jesus. No. How does he call everybody everywhere to repent? 
your mouth, your broadcast, your podcast, your books, your writings, what you do, what you've given your life to. You've got to represent him as an ambassador and know, here's the deal. There are people that have yet to repent and put their trust in Christ and follow him. And we are on the front lines of making that happen. Right? And that's why we got to stay where we're at and we need to keep on going with what we're doing and we need to not be afraid. We need to focus on faithfulness to our task, not our fear. And we need to know this as we're doing his work, he is with us. Right? He's, he's omnipresent. I get all that. But he's with us in a way that he's saying, I got my arm on your back and I'm pushing you into this battle and I've got you and I'm bring you safely into my kingdom. That's a good, that's a good word. I, I want to be encouraged that my ministry is going to produce evangelistic success. And that's why Jesus said in Luke 6, you should leap for joy in that day for such they treated the prophets. Same way. The prophets of the Old Testament were treated like you're treated when you're on the front lines of advancing the message of the gospel. Think about that. And, and what did they do? They spoke faithfully for God and many people responded to them. Even Jeremiah who said, I'm just a kid, I can't speak. People responded to his teaching. That's amazing. See, we are safe. They're not. Like Jeremiah said, they say, peace, peace, there is no peace. People that ridiculed Noah, did they think they were safe? They thought he was a nut, and they were safe. They're not safe. They're the ones in peril. Do you think that, 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 that the liberal elites that spurn and hate and, and, and revile and exclude us, do you think they're safe? They think they're safe. They're not safe. Who's safe? The embattled people of God are safe. You're safe. I'm safe. And our job is to expand this clan and see more people come to faith. You need to envision the success of your ministry. Not because we're, you know, just trying to create some kind of prosperity gospel here, but because that's our job and it, we will be here. And if it's not us, it'll be our kids and our grandkids, the next generation who's going to be here doing the work until the bus is full. So just know this, God has made it very clear. He is with you. He's with your ministry. If you're a faithful ambassador, You've got to bring his message. If you're calling people to repentance, if you're asking them to obey everything that Christ commanded, so stay faithful to your task and don't focus on the fear. Draw near to the Lord. He's with you. No one's going to attack you to harm you, even if they lop your head off, even if they stone you to death. Right? In the end, we got work to do, and until the last person is saved, we'll keep doing that work. You're listening to Focal Point with pastor and Bible teacher, Mike Fabares, and a message called, Keep Going. This message was delivered to a gathering of Christian communicators at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and it's an important reminder for all of us as we look forward to the new year that's just around the corner. I invite you to go online to access this message, weekly devotionals, Bible Q&A, and so much more, available free of charge at focalpointradio.org. Well, as you heard today, God wants all of us to keep inviting people to join His kingdom until the last person is saved, and encouraging and equipping you to reach out to your family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers with the good news of Jesus Christ is an important part of our ministry here at Focal Point. We think you'll agree that having access to clear, accurate biblical teaching is valuable. And to keep Focal Point going strong, we need your help. Now, if you value the ministry of Focal Point, please reach out today and make a special end-of-the-year donation. 
When you give, we'll send you the ultimate infographic guide to the Bible. This top-rated book will equip you to understand the significance of every part of the Bible and witness each incredible truth that God makes known to His people today. To donate before the end of the year and request your copy of this month's resource, call us at 888-320-5885 or contact us online at focalpointradio.org. Or if you prefer, you can send your donation and request by mail. Our address is Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Can we really trust the Bible? Is it God's Word or just a collection of ancient books? Well, to find out why the Bible is reliable and to get clarification about alleged contradictions and misinterpretations, you're invited to come back tomorrow when Pastor Mike Fabares tackles these challenges head on. I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you back for our weekly Q&A called Ask Pastor Mike, Friday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. You know, we live in a culture where every point of view demands affirmation. It'd be easy to tell people what they want to hear, but we must teach the Bible accurately, unapologetically, and without compromising and without editing it. God's word is truth. If you want to send me a question, I encourage you to get in touch with us at focalpointradio.org. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.